Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome to the Online Choir Podcast. Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner. We are live in Iowa City at Kinnick Stadium where Illinois goes another year without winning here in Iowa City. They haven't won here in this millennium, this century. It's been since 1999. And Illinois actually kind of followed the same path as they did against Minnesota and looked like they were ripe for yet another road-ranked upset win as uh, they took a 10-0 lead, Joey, but then the offense just sputtered from there. The defense continues to give Illinois time after time a chance to win, but Illinois ultimately loses 33-23 to in a score that really doesn't even say what the game was. Uh, there were barely, there was under 600 yards of offense in this game, um, and there wasn't a lot of offense, but Iowa scores on a special teams kick return touchdown. They score on a pick six really late in the game when Illinois was already down 10, and then Illinois gets some late garbage time points. So the score really doesn't tell the story, but the story for me, again, is the defense gives Illinois a chance. The offense doesn't do enough. And that's the story of the season, right, is the strides a defense has made has made this team really competitive, Joey, but the offense has missed so many opportunities to make this a sensational first season for Brett Bielema and his crew. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what to make of all of the the just a stark difference, I guess, between the two sides of the ball because I don't think the defense is that much purely more talented are they I, I i don't know i mean like coming into the year i thought the offense had some guys of two tight ends isaiah williams uh, we probably were a little higher on brandon peters at the beginning of the year but you, you, for a bit a couple quarters you were starting to see a little bit of that again then you look at the backs and the emergence of josh mccray i mean there's reasons on offense you should put up points but they're not doing it and they're not doing it really in kind of a grand fashion right well, I do think like the defense has some guys who are highly ranked prospects, right? Like Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton were highly ranked prospects. Owen Carney uh, was a really highly ranked prospect. I think we knew Sidney Brown could be a good player. Tony Adams and Devin Witherspoon had turned into good players. Uh, I think the difference is you've seen some defenders emerge under this new scheme and under a new coaching staff, whether that's Isaiah Gay playing his best football in his best game today with five and a half tackles for loss, Kirby Joseph getting his Big Ten leading fifth interception, comes out of nowhere this season to become, I think, an all-Big Ten player offensively. Chase Brown we knew was good, right? Um, but other than that, who's had a better year uh, than we expected or a breakout season. Like, it's Isaiah Williams, who I think we all knew would be pretty good. I guess Casey Washington's playing some good football, but we've seen some good football from him before. I think that's the difference is we're not seeing growth from that side of the ball. Uh, we can see on the defense that coaching has definitely made more of these players on offense. We haven't seen that. Uh, and in many ways, they've, they've regressed a little bit. Now, now, some of that is to play complementary football for your great defense that is playing well, but – that, I think that's the difference if, if we're seeing is players, players on the defense, whether there's more talent there or not, we've seen players get better and get way better uh, under Ryan Walters. And utilized in a way to maximize um, what they do. It, the offense just 
I, I thought that, I'll be honest, I bought into it a little bit after the, the first stretch of Minnesota. And then I thought, uh, I thought okay, maybe this team has got it. I and mean, you even saw it a little bit against Rutgers, right? Like, okay, like, there's still a little bit of time left to figure this out, to to at least be serviceable for your really good defense. And then today, I mean, not only did they not, after that first, it was the first possession. That was an incredible first possession drawn up by Tony Peterson. Brandon Peters executed good quick hit throws. Let your skill players take it home. They did that. I thought it was a really good drive. And to be honest, Jeremy, we probably should have known on the second drive, right? Like Iowa low snap on the punt gives it, gets the Illinois gets the ball to 28 yard line. This is free money at this point, right? Uh, there was a penalty, a tripping penalty on Blake Jarosati out of the barge formation on first down, backed up 15 yards. They ended up getting right back to where they were at the 28-yard line. You settle for a field goal. That should have probably been an indication to, to us, like, okay, <laughs> something's going on here because 28 should, at that 28-yard line, you should probably end up with seven, right? And, and really take control of this game and I thought even at 10 I thought they they might have figured something out and you take advantage of the breaks given to you but not only did they not score a lot offensively right and they had the garbage time late and and then the early touchdown it was a three and outs I mean you gave it to Iowa and just great field position and Ryan Walters defense stood up and they shut Iowa down or held him to field goals where a field goal was a gift, right? I mean, Iowa had the ball at the 17-yard line at one point to start a drive after a, a kerfluffle on the sidelines, and they held to a field goal. I, I just I, I wonder what it's like to be – and then we tried to ask them. They're not going to tell us, like, it, it's frustrating, at least to, to that degree, and Ryan Walters won't. He'll put it on himself. It's got to be frustrating, yeah. right? It's got to be maddening. Because this defense, for the last – really what, I mean, seven of the last eight games, has played winning football. Like, now your offense isn't going to do – you can't count on, you know, one side of the ball to be great every game, right? So maybe you don't have a complete performance. But that side of the ball deserves to be in a bowl game, right? Now, the special teams let them down today. I mean, James McCord had a great day, and I thought Blake Hayes had a pretty good day. But the, the special teams return touchdown where people got out of their lanes. Charlie Jones is a great returner. But still, like, that was a huge momentum shift when you get a 10 nothing lead – to give up that um, really hurt. And I think it really took the wind out of Illinois' sails. But here's the thing. we I don't think we're asking Illinois' offense to be great or expecting them to be great. But they got to be better. Uh, when you have the ball uh, and, and the defense keeps you in the game for 25 minutes in the second half, despite the offense getting one first down on its first seven drives, you just get one drive, one more drive, where you can score a touchdown or get a field goal or two field goals, whatever it is, you have to find a way. And, and they weren't even competitive, right? I mean, one first down in those first seven drives. And there were 17 points in the last two minutes of this game that made it look way different than it was. But there were, I think, two drives where Illinois was down 2016, where the Illini had a chance to take the lead, right, at Iowa. Or you had a chance to take the lead at Iowa in the fourth quarter, and you weren't able to do it. It was a three and out. Then you get fourth and – uh, you get the fourth down, and you fail on that one. Luke, Luke Ford drops the pass. That would have been a first down. You had four drops in this game. You had two interceptions in this game. You had the special teams return touchdown. It's just, man, the defense is doing everything they can, but the, the, the offense, and today, one big mistake on special teams, kept them from being 
really close to a bowl game, right? Like that, that's what's hard about the season because I looked at you, Joey, in the third quarter and I just said, man, they stay competitive. Like they came into Iowa. If we would have said 33-23, Illinois loses at Iowa before the season, a lot of people probably would have taken that. And, and a lot of these competitive games that they've had, but you're so close to being having a breakthrough season instead of being six and five today or seven and four, you're four and seven, right? Going into a Northwestern game, you never feel comfortable <laughs> having a chance to win. Yeah, and I think if you're watching this as a fan, the other frustrating part is a Illinois defense played well. Um, you know, there are a couple drives that they kind of got gashed on the ground a little bit, but I thought they did a good job of not completely breaking on those drives. The other part. Iowa's offense begged you to win this football game. Like, they pleaded with you, please, for the love of God, go do something and win. Padilla looked like a backup quarterback, right? Yes, and and Kirby Joseph said, got it, deal. (laughs) And and he comes up with a pick at the 47-yard line. That should be it. That should be the complimentary. At at that point, it was still a touchdown game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was was a touchdown game at that point. That should be it. That should be the tie this thing up, get some momentum. Go back, and I'll say we, we also noticed, Jeremy, I know there's been so much made on, on Brandon Peters, and he did miss some throws. He had some drops that weren't his fault. But he was fired up. I mean, we both had the TV broadcast pulled up, and he was yelling, man. He, that was as, as animated, I think, as we've seen Brandon Peters. So, like, that part's coming along, and it doesn't matter, right? I mean, they lost the game, but it was it was right there. Like, I know fans at this point are like, oh, whatever, basketball is going on. Like, in every other year because it's – just blowout after blowout. But the competitive, you know, we've talked about this before, the competitive, like how close these are, that has got to be a million times more frustrating in a way that you're hopeful for, right? Like you don't want to get blown out. But goodness gracious, they, they were right there, and it would not have taken some – you know, it wasn't like Illinois' offense needed to score the 35th point of the game to win. Like the defense and Iowa's offense did everything to set up for a really big storyline program win without Brett Bielema. And it just did not come to be. Yeah. I uh, just had so many chances to take the lead in this game and just never able to get over the hump. And, you know, when you got to throw 36 times with this offense, that's that's not a recipe for winning. And uh, I think we got to mention the running offense just didn't get going today. Uh, Iowa's defense deserves a lot of credit. They're a very good defense. And Illinois had to take what they gave them, which was throwing the ball. And, and Brandon Peters early on uh, got some things going and then late got some things going. Um, great throw to Casey Washington down the field for a 44-yard game. Big one to Donnie Navarro. Uh, to get into the middle of the field. And then late had a couple long passes and garbage time to Tip Ryman and, and Patrick Bryant and Isaiah Williams on the touchdown. But that really hurt. When you only get 42 yards from Chase Brown today and 13 carries, you know, Josh McCray has been really bottled up in four of the last five games. Just it feels like he's at the freshman wall a little bit here. But only 64 yards rushing on 25 carries. That was the second lowest of the season. That's never a good recipe uh, for this offense. So I know they want to run the ball, establish the run. They're un- unable to do it today. And, and Iowa deserves credit for the front, but uh, the offensive line I don't think played very well today. No, I, I agree. And I will say at times the defensive line, we need to ask Brett Bielma when we talked to him. I, I didn't know that this was a question for George McDonald. Rob Perry did not make the trip, and I thought his presence was really sorely missed. I thought there were flashes of Calvin Avery and Virtus Brown, but there were also flashes of, like, 
they're gassed. And Calvin Avery, Calvin noticeably, and, and Tyler Linderbaum, who's all world. That's a tough matchup for Calvin Avery. I did think Virtus Brown played pretty decently in the fourth quarter, and you saw him get more serious as the game went along just because I thought he disrupted things. He made Tyler Goodson you know, hop back in, in the backfield at one point that he got tackled for a loss. So I thought there were some signs of like Vert, you know, uh, Virtus taking a step forward, but you're right. He was noticeably missed. And I want to mention this, Brian Ferentz, I thought got away from what was working, which was running up the middle right behind your guards because their tackles aren't very good. Isaiah Gay was owning, uh, you know, their tackles in this game, and uh, Isaiah Gay deserves a ton of credit for today. But I thought Brian Ferentz kind of kept Illinois in this game too because he kept trying to go to the edge, he kept doing these sweeps with his receivers, and uh, they weren't successful. And, and Illinois kept uh, making some big stops to force field goals or to force punts. Yeah, I agree. And the other absence I thought. Really, to be honest, you and I didn't notice it um, early on when we got the travel roster. And there was a moment that Chase Brown w- was dinged up, and we, we wondered. Jakari Norwood didn't make the trip either. Um, and, and we don't have reasons why for these, and, and obviously we've got a lot of questions for kind of what this was. But yeah, We were told, I asked for clarification, they said they're out. So that's what we were told. So, I mean, we'll dig into that on Monday when we talk to Brett Bielema. But I, and look, I'm not saying Jakari Norwood changes the game. I, I think that's not right to say. But... Josh McCray just really wasn't working, and you wonder if you could have got Jakari, who, who's fast, out on the edge, if that changes. I, it's all hindsight at this point, right? But, I mean, your running back rotation, what we thought was a really deep position, it's, it's been trimmed down really significantly, and then you lose Chase Brown, and the other guy, McCray, isn't, isn't going, and, and it gets kind of hard to do what you want to do. But, man, I, that's not why they lost. They, they just could not just sustain it. It's just sustaining, right? I mean, just – at least minimally flipping the field, make Iowa uncomfortable offensively. I mean, it didn't really matter. I didn't think their offense was great, but just it's just really hard when you're starting all of your drives at the inside the 20, inside the 30. That's that's tough stuff, man. Uh, second half, 0 of 6 on third down, 0 for 1 on fourth down. So, I mean, you just couldn't. You can get past the sticks, right? You had one first down before the final garbage time drive where you scored a touchdown to cover, by the way. Way to cover. Backdoor cover for that. Definitely went on the over uh, for this game. Uh, I do want to – let's shout out some of this defense um, because I do think you know the interior struggled a little bit, and that's going to happen with the nose guard situation. But um, Isaiah Gay, man, what a monster performance. Ten tackles. Five and a half tackles for loss, including three straight on one series, Joey, where Iowa was driving and looked like they were going to score another touchdown. And Isaiah gave three consecutive tackles for loss and that drive. Five and a half tackles for loss is the most since uh, Jake Hansen had six uh, against Kent State back in 2018. So amazing that guy who was, I believe, benched for the Maryland game. Uh, after the Virginia performance, or one of those games midseason was benched. Seth Coleman took over as starter. Seth gets hurt. Isaiah comes back in, and he's playing his best ball, man. Uh, I think it's nine tackles for loss over the last eight games. That's great to see. Uh, and you can tell he's comfortable, and, again, he's put in positions to succeed, and it feels like they've developed him really well. Yeah, these two outside linebackers, we didn't know how he and Owen Carney would, would convert to these new roles. And it, let's not pretend it was smooth the whole way through. That's certainly not the case. But right now, I mean, those are two of your three or four best players on the defensive side. This was maybe the best game Isaiah Gay has ever played at Illinois. He was, he was unbelievable. And he single-handedly, on the drive you mentioned, there were a couple. He was just all over the place. 
you're getting and Brett was right you kind of just every game's different guys right like it's been I thought Sidney Brown at Minnesota was the reason and it's just all these different this isn't like you've got a George Carl Aftis who's just dominating every single game Whitney Merciless back in the last yeah you're just kind of from all over the place and I thought the secondary for the most part hung in there I mean it was a big play down the sideline that was really just a prayer from Padilla to try to throw it up because Owen Carney was bearing down on him. Quan Martin probably should have been called for a flag one way or the other, but it was a really, I'm drawing a blank on who, who came up with the catch. Bruce, right? Bruce, yeah. And man, I mean, defense did it again. And it's just all different, all different guys. Seriously, every single guy. I mean, Devin Witherspoon, seven tackles. Kirby Joseph, six tackles a pick. I mean, you go down the line, Kalon Tolson, Tariq Barnes. Both to half a tackle for a loss, just all over the place. And that's the thing about this defense is like, you know, Kirby Joseph with that pick at the end, um, it just shows how rangy he is. That was a bad throw by Padilla, and, and especially in that time and situation. Like, why is he making that throw? But to have a guy who can go make that play, high point it, has that range to go make that play, um, you know, he's playing at all Big Ten level, and it's really hard. And I think Brett Bielma has talked about this to, to name a defensive MVP this year. Like, at times I've thought Kirby. At times I've thought Keith Randolph. At times I've thought Owen Carney. Today you can think of Isaiah Gay, right? And then, you know, at times I think Sidney Brown has played like that. So uh, when they talk about – he's kind of talking about no-name defense or whatever it is. You know, there's not a guy on here that I don't know is going to get a bunch of all Big Ten consideration, but I think a lot of them should. I I think, like – Outside of Illinois, not a lot of these guys will get that much of attention, but um, they play some really good ball, and, and I think that says a lot about what they're doing as a unit. And they just believe, man. They, they're really confident, and they they haven't shown the frustration of just giving up at the end of these games when their offense fails to score, fails to score. They keep making stop after stop, and that's a credit to them, man, because I've, I've seen in the past where it's just like, hey, we're just frustrated. We're gassed because our offense can't stay on the field. Yeah, now I try to pinpoint what went wrong offensively, right? I mean, I thought stopping the run, like, Illinois has not been shy about their desire to run the football. Now Brett Bielma will tell you they want to be balanced. That's fine. When they're running the ball effectively and they're doing what they did on the first driving, this was different because they passed it, and they're controlling the clock and they're, they're stringing plays, they're a solid enough offense. Uh, and today I thought the offensive line at times just – wasn't very good. Brandon Peters was under a lot of pressure, and we kind of saw Brandon Peters step back a little bit to, to what we had seen before, but just a, a combination, right? He had bad throws. He had bad drops. It, how do you keep going as a defense? Like, when you look across, like, you're not even – all these three and outs, you're basically over there saying hi to each other again, and you're back on the field. I That's got to be so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, let me, uh, let me look this up because the second half, the time of possession had to be – insane um i don't know if they have the stat for it but at the end of the game it was pretty lopsided i believe 18 in the second half it was 18 minutes 49 seconds for iowa nine minutes 32 seconds for illinois um i'm surprised it's that much for illinois to be honest with you it felt like it was 24 to 6 right because your offense couldn't do anything and yeah i just so where, where do they go from here, right? Because they're not going to fix this in a week. You hope you can score enough points to beat Northwestern and potentially backdoor your way into a bowl game, right? So, like, my column tonight is going to be about the offense, but I know everyone wants to sit here and say, fire Tony Peterson. i got to go through Brett Bielma's history. 
he hasn't fired a lot of guys, I don't think, year one. So I'd have to go back and look through all of that. Tony's on a three-year contract. This is what Brett wants to run. Um, I think we all know they need to upgrade talent. Right. Um, so Brandon Peters, they got to find an upgraded quarterback. They got to find more receivers like Isaiah Williams and Casey Washington who can make an impact. Because two of the guys we thought were going to make huge impacts this year, at least an impact, are weren't even here today. Right. Brian Hightower and Jafar Armstrong, like they're not even here today. So like those guys either just didn't break through this year, or the staff didn't think they could count on them, or they just haven't been developed. So like that's a concern when you think two of your most talented guys aren't even on the travel roster at Iowa in week 11, not due to injury. Um, so they got to upgrade that position. And, of course, an offensive line that struggled today, you lose four of those guys. So um, how, many, how many strides can they make with that? And, and then, you know, Brett Bielma and Tony Peterson are going to have to get together and figure out, like, does Brett think this is good enough? To, like, what changes do they have to make, whether it's his play callers or not? Um, you know, there were some shots I liked that Tony took in this game. And there were some play calls that, you know, a rollout pass to, to Chase Brown that Chase just dropped, a rollout pass to Daniel Barker that Barker just dropped. Um, Brandon had Barker wide open on kind of like this wheel route um, towards the end zone right after, what was that, the big play to Washington. That could have been a one-two strike. You take the lead, I believe. So. The, those plays are there. I like those play calls. And if Brandon Peters makes those throws or these receivers don't drop the ball, maybe we're singing a different tune with Tony Peters. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, this isn't as 75-25 Tony's fault uh, versus the offense fault as I think a lot of people like to think it is. I mean, there are plays where you know, we're up here in the box and you can see a lot more like guys just running down the field uncovered. The deuce span yes. throw deep. Like one Brandon overthrew him, the first one. And then Deuce, I felt like he, I don't know if he played again after he, it looked like he pulled up a little bit. I thought Brandon placed that ball incredibly well. Maybe he could have had a little bit more loft on it, but it just looked like Deuce pulled up or something. Um, but I thought that was a great shot. You had a wide open ball right there and you just weren't able to complete it. You know, we, we talked a lot early in the season about Ryan Walter's side of the ball fitting to this, his team's skills. And I remember, Jeremy, a lot of times, I think UTSA might be the one that comes to mind. We said, why isn't Tony Peterson attacking the edges, right? How many times did we say that in a postgame? You know what they did a lot of today? Rolled those tight ends out there in the flat a little bit. The running backs out in the flat. Chase Brown had a drop that would have continued to drive. That, that's adjusting to what you have. Now, it is not working. Like, I'm not trying to say this is some, like, overlooked hero of offensive play calling here. But you, you are, like, there is development and growth there. I mean, it's not showing up. But if you look at it, you're seeing him do a lot of the things that looked, I mean, to us, we're not offensive coordinators for a reason here, but, like, it looked to us like, hey, that seems to have worked a few times. And, and they're doing that now. There's a lot of head-scratching, like, I, I thought at the end of the first half, that was a horrible drive. He got scared after Brandon Peters threw a pick, is my read on it, and basically just said, whoa, we're done with that. Let's just get to halftime. I really like that when you're on the road against a ranked team trying to do this with all of this background noise of your head coach not being here and what a week it's been. You get a chance to kind of throw a punch, man, throw it, hit, hit people. And so I, I, I do think there's a there's more of the lack of execution. I, I, it's just a blending of all of it. It's not just Tony's up here sleeping. Uh, that's not the case. Yeah, like there are some conservative play calls that, that I haven't loved, whether it's a run on third and three, right, <laughs> and, or third and five, and you get two yards, and then you got to punt it from Iowa territory. Um, stuff like that, that that obviously has shown itself 
throughout this season that um, I think that's part of what Brett wants to do. He, he plays these odds and field position is really important to them. And they trust their defense, which they should uh, at this point of the season. I do love that. I didn't love that they called the timeout to do it, but the whole staff, George McDonald said, called the timeout when they were going to punt on fourth down in Iowa territory. They didn't do it. They went for it. It didn't. It wasn't successful. But I was happy that we got together as a staff and talked it over and said, "We got to go for this. Like you have to." So that was that was nice, even though it wasn't successful and you did burn a timeout. But to do that, I thought was important. But yeah, I just think you have to find out why are we not as successful offensively in getting more out of our players, getting them to succeed doing what they're doing. Because there are some moments where the coaching does give them the opportunities while our defense is continually having success, right? So that, that's something in the offseason that Brett Bielman's just got to figure out. I don't know the answers to that. I don't know if it's a new coordinator. I don't know if it's just getting a bunch of talent upgrades. But it, it's certainly there's a disconnect on the offense that there certainly is not on defense right now. That's exactly right. And I, as we watched this game, you know who really hurt Illinois at times? Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson. They're two freshmen. They were top 400 kids. They're playing exactly like top 400 kids, maybe better, you could argue, as true freshmen. There isn't an Arlen Bruce on Illinois right now. There isn't a Keegan Johnson on Illinois. Those things eventually come to bubble. We knew wide receiver was going to be a concern. And to your point from earlier, when two of the guys that we on the outside, and obviously we're wrong in our projection of what these guys were going to be, when they are not who they are, you're looking at, and maybe Pat Bryant's going to be good. I'm not, this isn't saying he isn't, but you're looking at him and Carlos Sandy. And at one point, it looked to me like Michael Marquez was lined up in a bunch formation. That is problematic. It helps. You can bail your quarterback out a lot and maybe even some play calling with an Arlen Bruce, with the Keegan Johnson. And stuff that like Donnie Navarro can't do. Right? Yeah, and, and sure handed. I mean, Donnie's usually sure handed. The drop is probably dumb luck and probably could have been a better throw, right? I mean, but you got to come up with that. When you're limited, you know, just in terms of physical stuff, that routine, yeah. that's got to happen or you end up with an offense that sputters and falls over itself. And, and of course, the, I know this sounds like you know, we're kind of letting Tony off the hook. He did have, again, drives that we just thought, ah, geez, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, he bears responsibility for it, right? He's the offense coordinator. So um, I, I just mean, you know, sometimes there are plays. I think fans that watch the game see the plays that are available that could change the game, right? So they are there. Iowa made some of them today, especially Arlen Bruce uh, with several of them. Tyler Goodson, they established the run. Illinois didn't. And they got a big special teams touchdown. So that's the difference in the game. But you can tell, like, Illinois and Iowa, whether it's Illinois, Iowa, Penn State, Minnesota, Purdue, all these teams, there isn't a huge gap this year, which I think you have to be um, – you have to be happy about that. At least that side of the ball is, is keeping you in games. It's just so frustrating because the other side of the ball is not allowing you to win those games. Uh, I do want to bring up, Joey, like the kerfuffle, as you called it, on the sidelines. I didn't get a good look at that. I didn't get to see a good replay. We had FS1 on our computers, um, but they didn't seem like they wanted to be at the game very much because the timeouts were ridiculously long, and they didn't show a lot of replays. And, oh, their broadcasters weren't at the actual game. So we didn't get to really see, like, who swung or who did what. Um, so I, I don't have a huge opinion on what happened there with the officials because I didn't get to see it. I didn't think the Owen Carney one was targeting, and it certainly wasn't. They overcalled that, but – I thought that was a rough roughing the passer on him as well. But that obviously set up Iowa for a key three points 
late in the game, but I didn't get. To, I don't have a huge opinion on what happened there because I didn't get to see a good replay. No, the thing I love about trying to understand where 30 yards of penalties come from is just not being able to see it once because FS1 was stinky. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Like, I, I'm not even talking about the talent who called the game. I didn't listen. I don't care. But like, if you can't see it, that's really tough. And but 10 penalties, 96 yards. Like the Illinois, you can't put yourself in those situations. You can't push back in those opportunities because you got to win a game. It's the fourth quarter. And it was Michael Marquez, Kendall Smith that got called. Those are super seniors, right? Yeah, Blake Gerasati get called for tripping. That's a super senior. Like, they can't have those penalties. 10 for 96. Iowa was 3 for 23. That was a big difference. And 30 of those 96 came on one. And, and somebody should probably get Ryan Walters a stake for saving three points on that, right? I mean, that should have been a touchdown because on the very next play after that, that was the Owen Carney roughing the, the wide receiver passer. Um, I, I really don't know what you're supposed to do on that because he could just as likely continue to run. He hit him too hard. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's Roger Goodell here. What, what are we doing here? But, I mean, honestly, so realistically, Jeremy, that drive was first and goal at the eight to start after a punt. Yeah. Three points. I mean, that is so emblematic of what this team is, which is Ryan Walters in a million freaking bucks is, is what this team is and, and earning every penny of it. I, you can't have it. The penalties were, were brutal, and it's been a weird week and kind of capped off with a really weird day. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess we haven't even said the big thing, and that's that, you know, Brett Bielema wasn't here. And, and kudos to his staff and him for putting together a game plan to, to compete in this game. But for Stafford, not having, like, there, there were chances, Julie, for, like, some embarrassing moments, right, or some, like, real confusion, and it wasn't evident. Like, they did have to call a timeout to figure out fourth down, but at least they didn't rush out there and punt it and be like, oh, no, what did we just do? They called the timeout. They said, okay, let's get this right. They made the decision. Didn't work out going for it, but that's because your tight end dropped the ball. Let's be honest. I'm not sure they wouldn't have called that timeout with Brett Bielema here, right? I mean, to, to really figure it out, that's not a knock on anything. It's just that was a really big moment in that football game. I will say if you were just dropped in without any knowledge that Illinois' head coach was in some bunker in Champaign-Urbana, you probably wouldn't have known that their head coach wasn't here. Like that is – now from us on the in the press box, right? I don't know, maybe it was verbal chaos on the sidelines. I don't get that sense at all. That's really impressive to be able to piece together a game, and I'm sure it was a long week with a lot of testing and a lot of making sure everybody who was here could be here to hold that together. And this isn't some moral victory, right? But to hold that together and not even really have any big gaffe where you're like, oh, my God, or geez, Brett Bielema wasn't here. That wouldn't have happened if he was here. We knew this staff was good. This That, that was a really pretty big day for them, I, I thought. And I, I thought – George McDonald handled everything right. I'm still not entirely clear on whose duties were what, and I tried my best to figure it out all week. But, man, good for them. And Brett Bielema has got to be pretty yeah. – beyond the loss, right? He's got to be pretty happy with how his guys stepped into some of these roles, which are not easy to step into. Yeah, I think uh, George McDonald was really impressive in the post game, how he handled this. Uh, and I'm sure Josh Wynn was watching it in, in the room, and I think he was pretty proud of him. Uh, just an alum doing that. I can see him being a head coach someday. I can see – Kevin Kane, obviously, Ryan Walters. Um, I, I think it's it's been a pretty impressive staff, right? And, and I think there are a lot of building blocks to build on. You just want more on offense.
right? You just want more on that side of the ball, and, and that's the question. You've accomplished a lot defensively. Special teams are going to have a big makeover next year with, with losing your guys. We did see Caleb Griffin get a kickoff because James McCourt. He went Superman. Yeah, James McCourt Superman. tried to save uh, the touchdown with Charlie Jones. He got an arm on him, just uh, Charlie ran through it. Uh, but McCourt looked like he had a hammy or something. He still kicked three field goals of 45-plus yards. Great performance uh, by James McCourt with that. But, uh, you know, offensively, what do you have to build upon other than Chase Brown, Isaiah Williams? That's what you got to figure out, uh, and, and it's mostly going to be this offseason. But one more game left, Joey, uh, against the Northwestern team that lost today, right? Uh, let's, look, let's just assume, <laughs> let's just assume that they did. Yeah, Northwestern lost uh, to Purdue 32-14. to Purdue uh, or Northwestern, just the up and down seasons they have, man. Um, but you can never count them out against Illinois because they've won six straight. Pat Fitzgerald's won eleven of fifteen against Illinois. This is big, man. If you can, if you can get to five and seven, and potentially play yourself into a backdoor bowl at five wins, you get in with your APR, which we'll figure all that out this week. But if you can beat Northwestern, get that Land of Lincoln trophy back after some of the nice wins you've had before this year, if you can get to 5-7, and seven, I think people would feel pretty good about that uh, at the end of the day, whether it's a bowl or not, Joe. But like, if you get to a bowl, too, you had all those bowl practices, you get to sell that you're in the postseason, have a chance to get to six wins, like all of that. There's still a lot on the table here um, if you can find a way to win more, one more game. Yeah, you get to book your hotel in Detroit on Christmas. And is that not what everybody wants? I, people are asking. But, I mean, seriously, 5-7, and seven, regular season, and Brett Bielema's first year, it's pretty good. I mean, I think – I thought they might go to a bowl, and, and as you look at this, you can see there's anywhere between one and 450 passes that they could have gone to a bowl through some of these games that, that have just fallen apart. 5-7, and seven, you know, assume that gets you there. You're playing a MAC team. Find yourself into a six-win first season, right? I mean, if you're not beating a MAC team, that, well, that's just alternative universe ending the season in a loss to a bowl game to a MAC team. Anyway, that's a good selling point for Brett Bielema out on the recruiting trail. And when I say recruiting trail, at this point, I mean the transfer portal trail, right? That that is the the most important place that this staff is going to live after this season ends, whenever that may be, and it may well be a week from now, right? I, it's uh, it's going to be a really big deal, and. Well, I know we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. The quarterback, how do you do it timing-wise, right? I mean, what, what's the balance between getting someone now versus exploring everyone that's out there? It's, it's, it's such a delicate place, that transfer portal market, and that'll be interesting. But it's still, it's still there, right? And, and I know people are frustrated with what this was and, and what some of the, the Maryland's, the Purdue's of the world games were, yeah. Rutgers. It should be. I mean, he should be. But – you are seeing it. I, I don't. The offense is probably closer than I think a lot of fans who are angry immediately after a game, and I understand, want to think it is, but it might not be as close at, at times as I think maybe the coaching staff is telling us they think it is. There's, there's probably some balance in the middle. At some point, you want to see it break through. At some point, you got to score. I know they score. Okay, they scored 23 points in a Big Ten game today for the first time since Nebraska. It was garbage time, yeah. right? Like that. That was garbage time. Like. They need to have a big performance, and that's what that's what Isaiah was basically saying. Like, we need to put it all together. Like, one day we'll run great, but we don't pass great. One day we'll pass good, but we don't run very well. They got to put have like one of those performances to really build on and to feel good about. Yeah, and again, I thought we had seen spurts. And now, like in my mind, I go back to Minnesota. It felt like, and I'm sure Tony Peterson and Brett Bielema would kind of push back on this a little bit, but it felt like they got the lead. 
and did everything in, uh, in their power to not lose Hold that. Hold on beat. for dear life. I, in my mind, I think, well, what if you try to build it here, right? Like, what if you get a little risky and, and you try to get a little swagger going with your team? Uh, and now they're going into a buy, right? So, like, what, eh, you know, how, how do you sustain that? I don't know, but... At some point, they've got to be able to, even within a game, we've not seen it, Jeremy. We have not seen it within a football game. And then as you zoom out a little bit, you certainly haven't seen it week to week. But to to see an offense like they had the first drive, which was really good. It's like 12 plays. One of the best defenses in the Big Ten, you drive 12 plays, 75 yards, beautiful execution, beautiful play design, beautiful script by Tony Peterson. It was just like Minnesota, right? And then, you know, you get the, the turnover for Iowa on the, the terrible punt um, snap. But, like, so you just gifted three points there. But you take advantage of it. James McCord executes, and you get up 10 nothing, and that's just nothing after that. That's what's amazing is, like, yeah. you can't even get 30 yards to have a good punt and put them in bad field position. Like, that's the frustrating stuff is you got to maintain possession. This team has to have ball control and, t- and you know, control the clock and – Unable to do it at all today. Yeah, sometimes they look like a really, really competent offense, and sometimes they look like they've never played offense before in their entire life. It's it's such a wild – like, I, I know we talked about this after Minnesota. We don't know what this team is. I don't know what this offense is drive to drive, man. And and I know George McDonald said they had some penalties, penalties today that, that hurt them offensively. That is true, but that is not – like, I mean, was it Rutgers was the one that penalties actually legitimately were right. in the second half a concern. I – I don't believe that was as much the case today as was pointed. And I, I get why George was up there in his, his one stint as the head coach post-game press conference. I, I'm not faulting him. I, I get it, right? There were a couple penalties, but it's drops, it's missed throws, it's unable to run the ball when you need to run the ball. It was all of it. It was all execution on every angle of it. All right, I think we covered it. Um, Illinois' offense needs to be better. I think that's the main takeaway from all of this and the entire season. But they got one more game to try and get to five wins, uh, which I think most of us would say before the season would be okay. It would be an okay, solid season. Um, obviously, you're just frustrated because it could have been a really good season. Agreed. Uh, if we can end, can we just shout out the really cool Marquez brothers moment before the game? That was awesome. Like, you and I were watching, and Michael Marquez comes trotting out, and I'm like, what in the world is this dude doing? Like, no one else is out here. He meets with his parents, and he meets with his twin brother, Henry, at midfield. That's cool, dude. That's just really, really a Senior cool day thing. for Henry, his twin brother, yeah. That was, uh, that was awesome. And I, the game didn't go the way Illinois wanted it to, but, like, that's cool. pretty freaking cool. cool and cool moment for George to have, you know, be the acting head coach. Like, that, that's a pretty cool moment for him. And I, that is all a matter. Like, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut. Like, in his radio show on Wednesday, he what a cool detail. He talked about standing at the 50 with Josh Whitman, uh, two teammates in the 90s looking around, like, look at – Look at where we are. One of us is the AD. One of us is uh, the acting head coach this week and, and such an important piece of this offensive coaching staff every other week. For him to step into that, like, tried to get it out of him a little bit. I could not. Um, but I think it had to mean a lot to him. And he didn't want to steal the shine, I guess, away from everybody else. And I know we had a lot of help. I'm not trying to say this was a one-person rock band. And Brett Bielema was part of that help. But I, I hope he goes to bed tonight kind of understanding what that was. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. No, it was really cool. All right, uh, that'll do it for us at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. We'll be uh, have more content on the website tonight. Joey will talk about the crazy week that was 
for Illinois without its head coach. I'll have a column on the offense as well. And then I'll be heading to Kansas City. Joey will be heading back to Champaign to cover football for the week. Derek Piper will meet me on, in Kansas City for uh, basketball as well. And we got some state playoffs to cover later in the week. Right, Joe? Yeah, Joliet Catholic, Malachi Hood, Jordan Anderson playing for a state title. Ian Pugh and 5A playing for a state title for Fenwick. I like your folksy way of saying Joliet. It's Joliet, bud. Hey, man. Hey, you want to say Joliet, I like it. It's Jolly. You know what? You know what? Fine. I don't want to be Jolly. I think we all know that to be true. That's great. Take the moment away from the kids. That's awesome. But I, we should, we'll have coverage from, from DeKalb. And pretty cool for we, – we thought it was going to be a really good storyline, right, with Jolly, Joliet. Good God, man. I got you second-guessing. You know. No, Rochester, Joliet would have been nice. But uh, Rochester upset the Leonard Bowl by uh, Ken Leonard in the – Sacred Heart Griffin. No upset when Ken Leonard's coaching. Ken Leonard is royalty of, of coaching here. And Kankakee made it, and, and always got some guys, or a guy, a, a really, really good guy. is Jair Hill, Jair Hill, right? He'll be there, and good weekend for, for high school football, and next week will be fun too. Yeah, some upsets, including Loyola going down in Class 8A as well. We'll have uh, coverage of all of that in a busy week ahead, the final week of the regular season for football. We'll see if there's a postseason uh, for Illinois football. would just make us more busy uh, during the month of December as well. But Illinois basketball around the corner as well. Check out the VIP film room with Michael Tewitt breaking down Curbelo's wild night at Marquette, what he needs to learn from it. Uh, put that on the site today as well. Until next time, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Line Enquirer podcast.